Hello, welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 188. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, as always, Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing? Pretty good. This week on the show, we'll be starting things off with a new segment, Movie News, where we round up some uh, notable bits of newsy goodness throughout the week. Then we'll be reviewing two horror films, Tales of Halloween and Bone Tomahawk. Bone Bone Tomahawk. Tomahawk. Perhaps maybe the best title yeah, so far this I think year. so. I definitely think it's the best title this year so far. Of course, we'll also be going over some of them watching uh, movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases, all of that fun stuff. Uh, before we jump into the news this week, if you're listening to the audio version of this, you may be wondering, why is the show coming out late this week? Well... We're trying a new format for the video version of the this, this show. Since viewers like shorter form videos, uh, what we're doing is releasing each segment separately on our YouTube channel. So every day a new segment's going to come out. And then on Friday, we're going to have the full version of the show released. And along with that, we're going to be putting it out on iTunes and SoundCloud and all of the other audio formats. So that's how we're going to try to do it from now on. If you are one of our patrons on Patreon, we appreciate that, by the way, at the $3 per month level on our Patreon, you get everything early. So you'll get everything at the beginning of the week. The full video show and the full audio show, you'll get at the beginning of the week if you're at the $3 per month level. If you are interested in supporting what we do, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com film pulse if you want to get the show early if not that's fine that's cool too it's still going to be free it's still going to be up every week it'll just be better if you help so let's jump into some movie news shall we before we do that real quickly i wanted to thank our latest patreon crystal marcano thank you so much for subscribing let's kick things off with some star wars stuff so the star wars trailer came out the new one i take it you didn't did you watch this no (laughs) i don't watch no trailers i know i know but i am excited i gotta say so i was going to not watch the trailer but i couldn't help myself i ended up watching it multiple times and i loved it it gave me chills i am so excited for this and what they did this week and i'm sure all of you are, are fully aware of this they put the tickets on sale with the trailer. So the tickets went on sale, and then a little bit later, the the trailer dropped during Monday Night Football. As soon as the tickets went on sale, basically the whole internet crashed. I don't know. I tried to get tickets from every ticketing website known to man, and all of them were down. Fandango, movie tickets, they were all down. For hours, (laughs) they were down. So... I ended up, I did get tickets, actually. I got, I got two sets of tickets for two different theaters. How did you finagle that? So what I did first was I went to the actual website of one of the theaters around here. Yeah. And they, and bought tickets direct from their website. That's and then, idea. yeah, which was, that was a, a smart idea. However, the tickets that I got were for... It was for 3D, but just regular, regular screen 3D. Oh, boy. And for Star Wars, my first experience with Star Wars, 
the new one. I want that to be the best possible. So I ended up waiting till the next day and checking online, and I was able to get tickets for the IMAX in Times Square. So the, the cool thing about New York is here in the city, they're doing screenings every half hour around the clock. So you can you can get they have screenings for like one thirty in the morning, two thirty in the morning. Yeah. So you can it even though there's a lot of people here. here, there's a lot of theaters here too. So oh, I was boy. able to uh to snag some. So IMAX reported that they made six point five million dollars in domestic pre sales for Star Wars. Damn. Basically shattering all previous records. This movie's gonna be huge. I think I'm predicting that it's going to be the the highest grossing movie of all time. I think it's going to be the fastest uh, selling. I think it's going to be the highest grossing opening weekend. I think it's going to shatter all the records. Break everything. I think so. I think so. And it looks great, too. Right. I'm, I'm really excited about it. The trailer got me super, super amped up, and I'm, I'm feeling really good about this movie. Like I said, I, like I, said I'm, I'm, I was kind of ambivalent towards you know the new Star Wars coming out. And I just figured, oh, at some point in time, you know, I'll get around to it. <laughs> Someday. But, yeah, but, you know, everyone everyone else's excitement is kind of wearing off on me that I'm a bit excited for Star Wars. I think you're going to have to see this one in the theater. I know you like watching movies on your 28-inch. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going I'm to try and get, get out to the theater. I don't know if I'm going to be going the opening weekend just because it's going to, I have a feeling it's going to be a nightmare. Well... What I did, as soon as the the thought of buying pre-sale tickets... Now, keep in mind, this doesn't the movie doesn't even open until December 18th, so we're two months away. The, when I started thinking about it, reserve seating is... As long as you do reserve seating, you're fine. Yeah. If you don't do reserve seating, you're screwed. So, hopefully... But it's still, listening, just the, it's still just the thought of being around that many people in a small room. Usually, though, reserved seating is the theaters are, are bigger and there's more space. There's still people. There's still oh, too yeah, many Yeah, there's people. still people, yeah. I'm just talking about me. But I am excited. Exactly, you know, even to the point where it's, I'm, it's, I'm finding it hard to, to not watch the trailer. Well, see, that's, that's kind of where I was because I'm, I'm a pretty big Star Wars fanboy and... I was like, I'm not going to watch it. I don't want, I don't want anything to be, I don't want anything. I don't want to know anything. I don't want to know anything. But I just, I couldn't help myself. As soon as it came out on Monday, I was watching it over and over. And the, the cool thing about how they're cutting the trailers is that they show you enough to get you even more excited, but they really give nothing away. You, you, yeah. We still have no idea what the movie's really about. I hope it's more space politics. That'd be cool. <laughs> Metachlorians right. and all that. Didn't everyone love the space politics? Oh yeah, that was that's what made the prequels amazing. Was the nonstop space politics? There's nothing better than made up politics in space. I mean, genius idea. I agree. I agree. That's what people have been clamoring for all these years. Yeah. Moving on. The 21st was Back to the Future Day. Have you read about any uh, any of the? Uh. Stop this shit. Stop it. Stop it. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Really? Yeah. I just, I mean, it was bad enough when we were like celebrating, you know, like, this is the 27th anniversary of this movie coming out. Now it's like, oh, this is the day in that movie 
yeah great let's just actually live like i just oh my god maybe if you actually saw the movie you'd have a, a greater appreciation for it maybe i don't know i i, I thought i thought day, it was though. cool i thought it was cool just to go over some of the things that various companies did i mean it's all just a marketing and promotion thing right yeah uh, Pe- that's, pepsi that's came out pepsi came out with their pepsi perfect from back to the future 2 which was this kind of basically it's just regular pepsi but it, it comes in a cool looking bottle and they did an extremely limited run i think it was like 6500 units or something immediately sold out and then people everybody got pissed because they made so few of these things and demand was so high that they instantly sold out of them on Amazon. So they they announced this week that they're they are making another batch of them to be sold later on. Nike came out with the self-lacing shoes from uh, Back to the Future 2, which was really cool. I don't know if you saw the video of Michael J. Fox showing them off, but <laughs> they're they're legitimately self-lacing shoes that actually work. Those are going to be all of they're 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 going to be I don't know how many they said that they were making I don't think they said how many they were making but they're all going to be sold at auction for the Michael J Fox Foundation in sometime oh, next cool. year yeah sometime next year they're going to be doing that so that's actually really cool they did make a prototype pair I think back in 2011 or 2012 and they they were the same design but they didn't they weren't actually self lacing these new ones are so. That's pretty cool. Lexus showed off more of its hoverboard stuff, even though there haven't been any real updates on that hoverboard thing, but I guess they took this as an opportunity to show that off, that they actually made a hoverboard, a real working hoverboard. Still not quite the same as in the movie, but it looks like they're getting close. The, The USA Today that came out on the 21st looked like the USA Today that was in Back to the Future 2 had the same logo and everything, which I thought that that was really cool. I think it's really cool that companies do that, you know. I think it was Warner Brothers came out with the trailer for Jaws 19, which is featured in Back to the Future 2. <laughs> that that was kind of funny. Yeah, bunch of stuff. I I thought it was cool. As a big fan of the Back to the Future movies, I thought it was fun. Just a little bit of fun, Kevin. God. I'm going to rain them. on everybody's parade. I had to watch them. Yeah, you are. I, I thought marketing bullshit. I thought for sure you'd watch. It's just a celebration of uh, a fun movie franchise that everybody likes. Yeah, it's just to get you to spend money on things. I didn't spend any money on things, and I'm I had a good time. Saying other people, saying other people. Yeah. I mean, it's nice the way that uh, what was it you said the the self lacing shoes. It's nice yeah. to go that way. You know, make it the, a charity the charity thing. route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go the charity route. New trailers this week. We have Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh, what do you yeah. Think, what do you think about this? <laughs> I guess that could be a fun time. I tried to read the book. I, I had the book. And the problem that I had with the book is that it was too much like Pride and Prejudice. It's, it's basically, I mean, Jane Austen is credited as one of the authors of the book. So basically, Seth Graham Smith took the actual book of just, Pride and Prejudice and just kind of injected the zombies into it. and and change things around a little bit obviously but the way that it's written is still in that kind of victorian classical uh annoying <laughs> annoying style <laughs> not a fan of the jane austen no 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 absolutely not i do not like jane austen so 
I had a I had issues with getting through the actual book. The the movie, I don't know if they're going to go that route because the trailer, it's weird. The the trailer's got this really weird tone to it where you don't know if they're playing it straight or if they're having fun with it. Uh, it okay. looks in the trailer it looks like they're playing it straight, which is fine, but if you play it straight, like you got to really commit to that. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking about some of these some of these newer indie period pieces that that look really good like Jane Eyre. And I was thinking, man, it would, if if you're going to do it, if you made it look like that, that'd cool, be that'd man. be pretty cool. Right, just, I, just have some zombies show up here and there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I honestly don't know what to think about this one. Jane got a gun. The first trailer for that came out. That's the the western with Natalie Portman. The the Western resurgence continues. Oh, going strong on them westerns. Uh, this one, this one had a very troubled very time. It, uh, it it lost several of the the actors. It lost, I think, at least one director. Just a really tough time getting this one out there. But it's finally ready. It doesn't look that good to me. That the trailer was, eh, I don't know. Hmm. Not not sure about this one at all. A uh, new trailer for Joy came out, the David O. Russell film, with a whole lot of people, Robert De Niro and uh, Jennifer Lawrence. I think it looks interesting. I think it looks uh, looks pretty good. We also have the full-length trailer for the the Netflix series Jessica Jones, the new Marvel series. I'm pretty excited for this one. Apparently, it's got a an even darker tone than the Daredevil series, and I like the Daredevil series quite a bit. This one stars uh, Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones and uh yeah I, I'm I love the Daredevil series on on Netflix so I'm, I'm very amped up for this one sounds interesting yeah yeah I think it's I think it's gonna be good so check check that one out moving on Edgar Wright got some Edgar Wright news you're a fan of Edgar Wright I'm a fan of Edgar Wright let's talk about some Edgar Wright what do we got John Hamm joins Edgar Wright's baby driver okay so he's got uh, his next movie is called Baby Driver. It's about a a young man who is kind of coerced into joining a uh, a crime family and becomes a getaway driver. Oh boy! During a heist, and I think oh. that John John Hamm is going to be the um, one of the bad guys, one of the villains. Oh boy, that's probably not going to end well. No. no. Mm. Sounds like a bit of a, a crime crime comedy. I'm sure that it'll be good because it's a good right. The other news is that Johnny Depp is set to star in his upcoming film, Fortunately the Milk, which is an adaptation of the Neil Gaiman children's book. Okay. And That's interesting. Yeah. And Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords is adapting the, the book. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I guess it's going to be kind of a live-action animation hybrid, but this is this one's a long way off. They just put together the the uh the pitch material or sent it out this week. So Okay. This one's going to be a long way off, but I think that it looks quite promising. The Raids Eco Uwice joins the Mo Brothers next movie Headshot. So the Mo Brothers did Macabre and what was that Killers? Yeah, 
Killers was their latest one, and uh, Eco Weiss is joining their their new one called Headshot, where he plays a young man who washes ashore, an amnesiac with a serious head injury whose past comes back to haunt him shortly after being nursed back to health by a young doctor. Violence ensues. What do you think about this one? Uh, I believe that his team, his uh, fight choreography team, is also going to be joining this one, so we'll probably see some decent fighting in there as well. I'm in. Count yeah, of in. course. Of course I'm in. I really wanted to like Killers, but that one that one didn't really no. work for uh, me. No. Nope. However, I'm I'm still I'm still on board with what these guys are are working on and I believe that Julie Estelle who plays Hammer Girl in the Raid 2 is also going to be in Headshot. So, sign nice. me up. Let's do it. Let's do it. As long as it's not taking away from the Raid 3. As long as he's not, you know. Because <laughs> we, we need him available for the Raid 3. Because they need to make that right now. Yes. Also, as a side note, the, the Raid remake uh, just lost its director, Patrick Hughes. The guy who did, uh, oh. the, guy who oh, did no. the, uh, maybe one or two of the Expendables movies. Oh, no. He, he backed out. Movies. He backed out, and then Screen Gems, who was, I think, distributor slash co-production company on it, also backed out. Good. So everyone back out to the point that it's not made. Yeah, not yeah, it's a terrible idea. I yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. That actually, we'll use that to transition into our next segment, which is viewer comments. Uh, we just got this one in, actually. Is Sanchez commented on this article on our website, and he says, Well said. I really hope this doesn't get made. Don't whitewash this franchise like it's been done countless times before. I'm sick of it. If you can't watch it in Indonesian or the English dub, then don't watch the movie. Don't ruin a classic with an American version. I know this is going to be poorly made. It's not even going to feature the martial arts used for this film which is the Pencak Salat style. Yeah. We Americans have to stop ruining everything. Correct. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. Why? I agree. You know, what's, what is the point of remaking this? Why? With this one, yeah. I, I don't see the point in remaking this. I think that the, there are some English remakes of movies that, that do work. You know, the Let the Right One In, for instance. I thought yeah. the American remake of that was maybe even better than the original. But in in the case of the raid, you just got to leave that one be. Yeah. Like that's not going to work in America. We don't have our own you know, we have Roadhouse. That's that's ours, you know. Yeah, Roadhouse is our thing. <laughs> the raid can be theirs and leave it. Although I would love to see an Indonesian version of the of Roadhouse. I want to see yeah, it go the yeah. other way. That would be fantastic. I'm all for that. <laughs> uh, the Deemer on YouTube commented on our last week's podcast when we talked about Peace of No Nation. He says, I thought Peace of No Nation was very unique and compelling, if brutal in its depiction of violence and war. That made the film even more honest in its narrative about a child soldier. It's also one of the rare movies based on the African continent. Yes, it's a large landmass, not a single country. Oh, thank God. That that did not need the typical Western trope of a white POV character. Rarely do you find 
a movie about such subject matter that doesn't feel compelled to throw in a familiar face as a surrogate to ease the audience into the experience. And it, and it goes on from there. But I think that that just kind of, I think he was kind of going on from, or going off of what you said, Kevin, about uh, Idris Elba playing too big of a role. Yeah. And, Which, I mean, I, I agree with him. It's, yeah. It's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I kind of agree, too, where you you have kind of, uh, I think what he was saying is that you have kind of like the, the bigger name person as a surrogate to, to ease people into uh, these more uh, serious stories with more minor or younger characters or people that we don't really know by name. Yeah. Just, so. I, yeah. I just wish they would stop doing that. Yep. Uh, at the end, he says, either way, a good podcast, guys. Keep it up. Thank you, The Deemer. Finally, we have one other uh, comment from JD. This was on our website. Jennifer Lawrence is the best. Her second Oscar is on its way. That was in reference to the Joy trailer. I, I don't know, man. The, uh, maybe nomination. She'll get it. I could see nomination. I just they don't just know. Want... Yeah. They have to have her show up. She's got to show up. She's so much fun on the red yeah. carpet. She's such a Jennifer goof. Lawrence. She's such a goof. <laughs> uh, if you want to send us a question or comment for the show, podcast at filmpulse.net. You can also send me a tweet at filmpulse.net. I'll take a look at that. Or you can just comment on our site or any of our videos or any of that stuff, and I'll I'll see it. Let's talk about our first review of the week, and that's going to be Tales of Halloween. I have a... I'm not going to list all the directors. There's 11 directors, I think. Okay. There's, I have the synopsis here. Ten stories are woven together by their, their shared theme of Halloween night in an American suburb where ghouls, imps, aliens, and axe murderers appear for one night only to terrorize unsuspecting residents. <laughs> residents. <laughs> this is out now in limited release and video on demand. Kevin, gonna throw it over to you. Are Tales sure you of Halloween. You sure? Yeah, because I already know what you're gonna say about it. So let's let's do it. Oh, no, actually, I'm I'm predicting, but let's let's do it. What do you what do you think of Tales of Halloween? I hated it. Ugh. Is that your prediction? Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely hated it. There's no, for me, there's absolutely no redeeming factors in this thing, and I just wanted it to be off. It's just it was god awful. Yeah, I, I completely disagree with you on this one. I had a, I had a, I had fun with this one. the The shitty thing is, I wanted to. I saw this a week ago, and I wanted to rewatch it for this so that I could talk about some of the specific segments that I that I liked and highlight some specific ones. But I was not able to rewatch it, and I cannot remember <laughs> the specific segments that I liked. Which is very unfortunate, very unfortunate that I just can't remember the ones that I that I have really appreciated. But when I when I watched this, I I had fun with it. I I liked it a lot more than the than the VHS movies or the maybe the last two VHS movies and the length of the shorts, the segments. I thought it was a perfect length because the length, the length was good. I am on board with the length. Good because good uh, good run times on these. The I'll give you that. the segments in VHS I thought were a little bit too long. They kind of overstayed their welcome, especially on the ones that you didn't end up liking. They they were just you know you're stuck with them. Yeah. With ABCs of Death, those were 
too short because there was 26 of them in a, in a movie. So yeah. they, they, were, they were barely anything. So this one, I thought that this was, they were, they were good lengths. I mean, there's, there's 10 stories and they all, they all have a, a cohesive beginning, middle, and an end to them. Pretty good. They're all terrible. What was, what was terrible about them? Uh, everything. Um, not, none of them were, I didn't, the number one thing I guess I disliked was the humor. Nothing made me laugh, which is really unfortunate. Cause I thought at least I, you know, at least I can tune in and have a good time. Like enjoy myself, but that didn't happen. Uh, all the storylines were pretty, uh, just really lacked anything of interest whatsoever. The only one that came close to being, and th- maybe this plays a large part too. The only one that came close to like, oh, I, I kind of like this was the first one, the Sweet Tooth. I thought that that was a good idea, and I liked the performances in that and where it went, which unfortunately was the first one right off the bat, and then everything was just straight downhill. I, I liked most of them. I, I did. There weren't any. There weren't any that I actually hated. Uh, there were some that just were average. the The pumpkin one, where the pumpkin was the monster eating people, that one was probably that was probably my least favorite out of all of them. But I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really I didn't like that one. I didn't like oh. the one with the like the the neighbor who ended up being the devil and they kidnapped the kid. Yeah, I like that one. That that humor, I just uh, couldn't stand it. I didn't think it was, I don't know how effective the humor was for me, but I still, I liked the story. The the other one I didn't like was actually the Lucky McKee one. I I think that the Lucky McKee one, the one where uh, the, uh, it was the couple and they couldn't have a baby. Oh my God, that was awful. I'm pretty sure that that was the Lucky. Oh my God. God, that that was, was my terrible. least favorite out of all of them. I'm pretty sure that was the Lucky McKee one. That was terrible. Which is a shame because I like I like Lucky McKee. But... And the one that I like, I don't even really dislike or hate or enjoy or any. I just like I have no feelings whatsoever towards because it was completely nothing. Was the two neighbors that lived across the street from each other and them fighting? Oh yeah, that was su- that was such a pointless short. Well, that that just uh, was kind of a play on the 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 popularization of the the home haunts. You know, the, if you see that movie American Scream, maybe you'll have uh, a greater appreciation for for that. I think that this is a movie that maybe will be appreciated more by diehard horror fans because there's like there's all these Easter eggs and winks and nods everywhere sprinkled out throughout this movie where. Uh, some of the things I think would not be, you wouldn't pick up on them unless you were a huge horror, horror buff. And I'm sure that there's plenty that I actually missed too. But yeah, I like that they got Adrian Barbeau to be the, the narrator. Um, I liked the, the cameos from John Landis and Joe Dante. I, I appreciated that one. And the one with John Landis was probably one of my favorites. That was kind of that because was I thought funny. I thought that that one was legitimately funny. It was and, kind of funny, especially when he just kept calling him back, telling yeah. him to take him back. Yeah, I liked that one. I liked the the fact that they were slightly interconnected, but not in a, in a in a way that I thought was uh, detrimental to each of the segments. It didn't it didn't feel like it was forced. It just felt like it was kind of thrown in there, which I kind of I actually liked that where you can see just little bits like when 
you know, some of the trick-or-treaters are the same ones as from the other segments and stuff. I liked that. Yeah, the fact that it all kind of, it all, all ten stories takes place in the same little town. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. I liked that, but yeah, I had I had fun with this. I think, uh, I don't know, I think that overall I would say Trick or Treat is probably still one of the best Halloween anthology movies, or, or just one of the best movies that takes place on Halloween, but... Yeah, Trick or... I, you probably won't... Actually, I think you'll like Trick or Treat more than this. Trick or Treat's only, like, four or five segments, but I think it's it's a little bit a little bit more cohesive than than this one. Yeah, I still had fun with this one though. I gotta say, as I mean, part of it's probably just the fact that it's themed around the ho- the holiday. I mean, I love I love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. So, and, and a lot of the stories too. A lot of the segments were kind of the same theme. You know, like a lot a lot of them were based around people doing bad things and being punished for it. They all had kind of a. Uh, uh, Tales from the Crypt vibe to them. Yeah. So for like these anthologies and stuff, the fact that it's that it's based around Halloween does that automatically get you like a two star minimum? Mm. Does that like lock you lock you in at a two star base? Well, it's hard to say because to my knowledge, the the only ones I can think of are this one and Trick or Treat. I mean, if you uh, if you're yeah. talking about like anthologies horror anthologies in general uh I, I don't know i don't mind them because even the bad ones they're short you know i've seen a lot of movies that have been bad for an hour and a half and i sit through them and it's like <laughs> if these are bad at least they're only like 10 minutes long uh, you know it's like to me to me it's like going to a film festival and going to one of the shorts blocks you know where some of them are going to be good some of them are going to be crap Mm -hmm. but as long as there's a uh the good to crap ratio is in the positive then it's to me it's it's a positive experience and for this one it it was for this one like i said there weren't any that i outright hated except maybe that lucky mckee one uh but so out of 10 one that i really really hated or one that i that i moderately hated and the rest were okay. So it's a positive for me. There you go. Had a fun time. You. I just had a fun time with this one. Well, I wish I had a fun time, but I didn't. That's what I wanted. I wanted a fun time, and I didn't get a fun time. And I'm a little bit bitter about it, to be quite honest. Now just go back and watch VHS 1. You love that one so much. Did I? I thought I hated the VHS. Uh, I think you liked one, and you hated the rest. Yeah, I think one was okay. I think Maybe I think I what it boils that. down to is that you you just don't like anthologies. I love the idea of horror anthologies. I would just like to see a, a good one. Oh, maybe someday, Kevin. Maybe someday. I can I can dream, can I? I'm gonna stay positive, positive vibes. Just throw it out there into the universe, like the secret. Mm-mm. One of these secret. days. <laughs> secret. Oh my god, that's a secret reference. <laughs> is that still around? I wonder. I don't probably, know. Probably. Well, I'm doing it. I'm doing it for horror anthology, so it's still around over here. I guess we'll see what happens. All right, what are you gonna give Tales of Halloween out of ten? Uh, one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I think that this is probably the furthest off we've ever been. I'm gonna give it a six and a half. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I had fun with this one. 
But I mean, this is this has been going on for how many years that between us? You like you really into horror? Yeah, I'm I, I I'm always gonna be soft on horror. Sure, exactly. I think that plays that plays a huge role. Yeah, Tales of Halloween. I still think it's a fun watch. Check it out now. It's on VOD and playing in select cities. All right, next movie, Bone Tomahawk. This is directed by S. Craig Zoller. I have a synopsis here. Four men set out in the Wild West to rescue a group of captives from cannibalistic cave dwellers. This is also playing now in select cities and on VOD. It stars Patrick Wilson, Kurt Russell. Uh, Sean Young is in this, but I don't even remember seeing her. She was with the with the mayor. She showed oh, up just oh, for like okay. a little bit. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, also have Matthew Fox in there, and uh, David Arquette, Sid Haig, and Richard Jenkins. I will start this one off. Uh, I kind of loved Bone Tomahawk. I Bone Tomahawk. Man, this one it it starts out as uh as a pretty pretty typical western. Looks great. Um, sounds great. It's it's a it's a slow burn movie. It's it takes, it takes a while. It, it takes its time, but I I liked that a lot. Uh, I loved the dialogue in this movie. I loved the characters. I thought Richard Jenkins was awesome. Richard uh, Jenkins MVP. He was <laughs> the. I mean, he was he was almost unrecognizable in his role because he didn't he didn't really sound like Richard Jenkins, but he didn't. Because he had that beard too, so he didn't really look like Richard Jenkins either. He was just absolutely hilarious. Yeah, he was. He was great. I was surprised at how funny this was. There was a lot of comedy injected yeah. into this. Yes, and th- that was a surprise to me. And not just uh, not just kind of silly things that happened on the on the visual side, but a lot of the dialogue was very snappy and very clever and and very funny. It was there was sort of a dry humor to a lot of the dialogue, which I appreciated very much. Yes, it definitely helped with the with the slow burn aspect of it because it does it takes its time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I, I but see, I didn't mind it either because no, because no. there were good characters. Yeah, it was it was it's a good it was a good plot. You know, it's a simple plot like most westerns. It's just about. Four guys that are going to rescue uh, two people that get kidnapped after Indians or Native Americans raid their their little town, their sleepy little town. Yeah, and I just the journey happened. the journey yeah. was a fun one. So yeah, even though most of the movie is just them traveling, because it takes I think they said it takes two days or three days. There's a five day ride, and they were planning on getting there in yeah. two or three days. So, but some some things go wrong. Yeah. So a lot of it, a lot of it is them just trying to get to this camp, and and try to rescue. Yeah, that's the the, bulk uh, of the movie right there. But I'll tell you one thing: when when you finally get to the action, it is uh, the the level of violence and gore in this. It just it goes from one to a hundred. I mean, there's there's like relatively no violence. And then you go up to, holy crap, did they just do that to that guy? <laughs> Levels of yes. violence. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's shocking. It's definitely shocking. And I got to say, like, I'm, I think I pretty much, I'm almost certain that I jumped every single time 
a gun was oh, fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of jump scares, especially because this this tribe they're going up against like to I'm pretty sure their default mode of transportation is sprinting. Like yeah. all they do is sprint. They just sprint everywhere they go. So they'll be but it's walking. A, it's, a, it's a silent sprinting. Yeah. They'll they'll just be walking, you know, down a trail and these these natives just pop out of everywhere after them and yeah, it's it's fun. It's a fun movie. It's uh and you know, let's let's take care of this question real quick. It's called Bone Tom Hall. So I Right away, I'm thinking, well, the, number one, this is a badass title. This is yeah. a great title for a movie. I love this. But then, you know, like, curiosity got me a little bit, and I was like, I wonder if there's actually going to be Bone Tomahawks in here. And guess what? There's Bone Tomahawks. Yeah, and they're, be- they're, they're, they're pretty intense. Yeah, the Bone Tomahawks are pretty intense. There's a couple of them, and they're used. Yeah. And wow. And one is used. Yep. Oh, yep. Lord have mercy. It, uh, it... Yeah, it gets, it gets disgusting. You, people that can't people that can't handle gore are gonna have a tough tough time with this one because even I was squirming at, yeah, at, at what happens in this movie. I it's, couldn't it's, watch a lot of that at the end there. It's really really brutal, and it looks very real, and it sounds like the sounds that occur. <laughs> you're just like, oh my god, because the sound in this movie is very it's very crisp. And clear. Um, couple, couple of the just little minor scenes that I I liked. I liked the scene when they were when they were gearing up and they were all on their horses. And Kurt Russell just looks at Richard Jenkins and goes, "That is not a handsome horse." <laughs> I don't I don't know why, but that line really got me. And there's a lot of little lines like that, mostly mostly spoken by Richard Jenkins. Just little, just little throwaway. Yeah, just little lines here and there, and just, uh, yeah, everything about with like when you're first introduced to Jenkins, the whole soup tea thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it just it throws you because the movie starts off so brutal, mm-hmm. and then you you know they kind of segue into that, and you're just like, okay, what what am I watching here? Yeah, it's this, it's, like a, it's a western, but it's a horror movie, but it's also a comedy. Yeah, it is definitely a genre mashup for sure. And, and then, you know, you have Jenkins when he's talking about the that guy that he saw on two crutches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just talking about the possibilities and then how he gets so so excited about that flea circus. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's just so relieved and so happy to find out that they they were indeed talented fleas. And not a not a ruse. One of the Jeez. other one of the other kind of small scenes that I that I really liked was the scene when they were they were standing around, they were on a hill and they were looking through the, the German, aka their their fancy spyglass that they had. And it was it was Matthew Fox kind of scoping things out and he saw the snake hanging from the tree. And then you just you hear the gunshot and then you see the spyglass move down like five inches. And he, and he says like deceased or what what type of snake is it? And then you hear the gunshot moves down, deceased. <laughs> I don't know, that, that that scene was really effective for me. I just thought it was funny. I liked Matthew Fox in this, which is odd because I don't really like him in in a lot of things. Yeah, I thought everyone was fantastic. 
yeah, I like I liked his character as kind of the uh, the pretty boy who had had all the expensive equipment. And he was wearing like the nice suit to go out and do this, and he just knew everything. But he was still kind of a badass. He got to see the Bone Tomahawk firsthand. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh man, Bone yeah, Tomahawk! What a surprise! I gotta yeah. say, this is a surprise. Yeah, I have very little negative to say about this movie. I was pretty much gushing on it the whole time. I just, I, I loved it. It was, it was so much fun. Had a great time. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely recommend Bone Tomahawk. And just Which, like this, because there's, you know, because you set the expectation pretty high with a title like that, and yeah. then you got that cast in there, and you're just like, oh man, I hope this this turns out to be good, and it it sure does. Yeah, and, and Kurt Russell coming. I mean, I haven't seen Kurt Russell in quite a while. Yeah, if you want a Kurt Russell fix, and I'm see some Kurt Russell. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big Kurt Russell fan from from way back. So this was this was this was great. It's great to have him back in this type of role where he's kind of a kind of a badass. He's kind of a badass. But I, I but I also like going back to the the just the kind of slow burn quality of this i I like that because they took the time to really flesh out these characters and we got to know their personalities and i mean they dedicated entire scenes to just making sure that we knew who these people were and what they were like and their personalities like like for instance when matthew fox came into the the uh the saloon and was had that interaction with the passed out piano player and all that stuff like that was stuff that didn't have to be in the movie. It, it but yeah, it but just it, it, it helped good, uh, provide a good background. Yeah, it helped us understand who that character was and a little bit more about the town. And I just I thought that that was was great. It was just a, a nice touch to add that level of detail to to the movie overall and to all these characters. So yeah, Bone Tomahawk comes highly recommended for me. I had a a great time with it and. It's just, uh, and it's got a great poster too. I don't know if you saw oh, that poster's poster. Badass, and I'm sitting here looking at IMDb, wondering why the hell they went with that one. Yeah, I don't know. That's Come like the, the generic, yeah, badass Kurt poster. Did, you know, Chris Ru- Kurt Russell looks kind of crestfallen in that one. Yeah, he does. <laughs> so look, looking down at the poor guy, it's just like, oh, jeez, what did we get ourselves into? Yeah, I know you guys. I know what's going to happen to you guys, and it ain't pretty. <laughs> All right, oh, let's go ahead and give some scores to Bone Tomahawk. I'm going to give this one an 8 out of 10. I had a feeling that's where you're going to go with it. And, and I think I might be right there with you. I think I'm going to have to go an 8. There you have it. Double eights on Bone Tomahawk. Check it out. It's absolutely worth a look. I don't know how many times I just I said out loud, sweet Jesus. Yeah. It's... During this movie. It's intense. It gets really intense. And the way it's shot, too. The, the way that the action plays out, there's a little bit of a skirmish that, that occurs between Richard Jenkins and Kurt Russell and two of the natives. And just that kind of little skirmish that happens, it's, it's, uh, it's very fast and it's just very, really kinetic. And it, it almost reminded me of, I don't know, it, it, I guess kind of Tarantino-esque. Uh, especially the scene early on when uh, Kurt Russell, and this is, this is not a spoiler, this happens at the very beginning, but he shoots David Arquette 
in the leg and just how that kind of plays out how it's like really fast it, it feels like a tarantino movie which yeah. which is kind of unfortunate because this comes out the same year as the hateful eight which also stars kurt russell and i'm pretty sure that this is going to instantly get forgotten as soon as the hateful eight comes out yeah unfortunately i mean the good the good thing is that that you know there's at least a little bit of time in between them so yeah, hopefully got some space in between there yeah yeah hopefully hopefully people will check this one out all right let's talk about our watch list for the week i think that i'm going to start it off this week and i saw a, a horror film here's a quick just a quick spoiler i think my entire list this week's horror movies just because of halloween coming up i saw oh, a movie wow. called julia this came out this friday in limited release to my knowledge it is not on video on demand so if it's playing in your area, maybe check it out. Uh, this is essentially a rape-revenge film, yeah. so a lot of people right off the bat are not going to be into this one, and I completely understand. I'm, I'm not particularly into the, the rape-revenge films uh, in general either, but this one is actually pretty good. It's not, it's not great, but it, it's, it's, it's like a, a B-movie mixed with an indie art house film. The way that it's shot looks like an indie drama or even an indie comedy the way that they kind of look. So, visually, it's it's very interesting this movie. It's it's directed by Matthew A. Brown and basically it's about a, a girl who gets sexually assaulted by a group of kind of preppy young rich kids and she ends up finding this therapist that has this very unorthodox method of of uh, kind of dealing with the trauma, which essentially in involves exacting revenge on the men who who wronged her. And she kind of uh, gets a little bit out of control and just starts going on a on a rampage, on a killing spree. Okay, a lot of uh, a lot of really really brutal scenes in this one too a lot of really 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 violent scenes but the the interesting thing about it is that you you're never really quite sure what is kind of fantasy and what's reality because it kind of takes this surreal tone where there's this like weird cult and you just you really never you're really never sure what's quite happening because a lot of it seems like it could be in her head so I liked that aspect of it. At times, I thought that it leaned a little bit too much towards the B, the B movie side of things rather than the the indie drama side of things. But overall, I thought it was uh, it was okay. You just just be forewarned. There is a pretty. I mean, it's not like irreversible or I spit on your grave levels, but yeah. there is there is a, a rape scene in it that's not pleasant to watch although i will say that matthew a brown he he did it in the most uh the most respectable way possible okay. if, if that makes sense like he didn't do it in it didn't at least to me it didn't feel like it was in like an exploitative way he wasn't glamorizing the scene or anything like that yeah but uh eh, yeah maybe it maybe a light recommend for julia okay yeah I have one that's not a light recommend, and that's Chantal Ackerman's final movie, No Home Movie. This is a documentary. 
that essentially is about two hours of Ackerman using her static long takes to kind of document her mother's declining health. And there's just, it hurts to say this, but there's nothing here, really. I mean, there's there's a couple of scenes here and there where it's Chantel, you know, having a conversation with her mom. And it's interesting because it gives you a little bit of insight. But outside of that, a lot of it is just her mom shuffling about the house, coming into the frame, leaving the frame, you know, walking through the room and into the hall, you know, walking through this room into another room. And that's about it. There's just not a lot to say, unfortunately. So essentially it is a home movie. Uh, Yeah, kind of. Kind of. The title says it's no home movie. No home movie. But it sounds like a home movie. It's it's pretty much a home movie. Uh, there's, and I guess the the only thing I can think of with the no home movie aspect of it is one of the things that you do kind of bear witness to is how often Chantel is out and about, like in New York and in uh, Paris, and she's never really home to be there with her mother because she's busy with all these other things in her schedule. So I guess that's part of it. Mm, but mm-hmm. it's just like as a documentary film, it's there's nothing here. Mm. There's nothing of interest. There's nothing to remark on. It's just this series of images. Series of images. How did you see this one? So I saw this one on the festival scope. Okay. I saw a film from 1982, Lucio Fulci's The New York Ripper. This is uh, quite quite an infamous movie due to its its sexual violence that's that's in this movie uh i will say that there's there's no raping involved in this movie but it's it's still just as just as disturbing the way that a lot of these uh women get killed in this movie so uh the reason i watch this is i'm actually bringing back the grindhouse weekly feature i know that that's been yeah about time uh, i know that it's been dormant for about a year but um, I'm bringing it back. I have the the write up completely done for this one, so that'll be up early this week probably. Um, now I, I'm actually not too familiar with Fulci's filmography. I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but yeah. this one is it's interesting because it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a mashup of Italian giallo. So you have a lot of the framing and a lot of the shots look like a giallo uh, a lot of the scenes are completely drenched in color you know there'll be a scene where everything's red and everything's blue which which you know of course i, I love i love giallo film so i was into that but the other the other side of things is you ha- it takes place in new york so you have this kind of gritty early 80s new york city vibe you know something like taxi driver or an abel ferrara film like the driller killer miss 45 so you have that vibe too mixed in with the giallo. So I was definitely into the the aesthetic of this movie. Yeah. The the level of violence probably could have done without. Now I, I did see the uncut version of this, which is out on Blu-ray right now. And uh the the, the one scene I'm gonna I'm just gonna tell you what it is because I feel like maybe people should know this going into yeah. it. There's a scene where the killer is uh cutting up a, a woman with a razor blade and he there's a super close up of him slicing down her breast and he splits her nipple 
in half like, uh, down the middle. And it is a super close up scene. And even though you know it's not real, it is still really, I mean, it makes you squirm. At least it made me squirm. But I still had a, a pretty good time with this movie despite that. And uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say check it out. It's still, I believe that the uncut version is still not available in the UK. This, this came out after the whole video nasties thing, but yeah. censor, censorship was still uh, an issue over in the UK. They started censoring uh, VHS releases, and this yeah. movie, they didn't release it in theaters. They, they outright said, no, nah, this is not coming out in theaters, but it did come out on VHS, <laughs> and they, they heavily censored it for the VHS release. So you, you may be able to find like an uncut Blu-ray now, nowadays, but... Yeah. Either way, New York Ripper, check it out. Sounds like something. That sounds like something. Yeah. Uh, I have a another uh, American indie. I don't know if you've taken notice that I've watched a number of American indies. Yeah, and you've been uh, I've been impressed. You've been you've been cranking out some features left and right. Left and right. Yeah, I'm kind of worried about when that's going to start to die down. Like as of right now, it's it's been working out well for me. You know, things are actually coming into my head, but that's not going to last forever. So enjoy it while it lasts, or not enjoy it. I don't know. How, however, you look at it. Yeah, if you're but, into if you're into American Indies, check out the two features that Kevin's doing right now. He's got you have your your unsung Indies, yeah, and your um for future reference, which doesn't for future reference isn't always American Indies, but Right, yeah. A large portion of them are American Indies because for some reason they're not getting distribution, which is I find odd considering the quality of a lot of these that I'm seeing compared to what I, you know, the quality of what is being released. There's a disconnect. I don't know what's going on. What's happening? I I don't know. I agree. I think there is a disconnect. And I think that that's why we need to keep plugging away at getting some of these out there. Got to talk about them. Uh, this one is Her Wilderness. This is from uh, Frank Mosley. Mosley? Mosley? Not sure. Uh, who you might know more so as uh, an actor, which is essentially how I knew about him. Was uh, He was in Upstream Color. He was in Sabbatical. He had a small role. Uh, Ain't Them Body Saints. He was in there. And this is his second film. And this is extremely minimal. Very minimalist. There's barely a narrative thread in there. I mean, the one that is there is just, it's faint as can be. And again, it's one of those things where it's just, a lot of these have been very impressionistic, but I mean, this one is even less so. Like, it's not even impressions. It's just, I mean, it is faint. And essentially, you're, you're put in the driver's seat of trying, you know, make something out of this he doesn't really meet you halfway he maybe meets you like you know maybe a quarter of the way and i'm being mm. generous there Medita- meditative mood piece you know and again this is and i'm seeing a lot of this with these uh american indies is there's not a lot there's nothing to really compare it to which is the most exciting thing for me because that's what i want when i'm watching movies i want something you know new something different mm-hmm. and while they might not work 100 percent, like this one doesn't work 100 percent. you know i like the style that he's doing here and i 
I I'm excited for the future of it to see what he does and, you know, refine it a little bit more, but it's just, it's something different, which is always going to be huge for me. I'm always going to try and champion those because it just needs something different. Yeah. So keep an eye out for this one when it finally does come out. And one thing that I didn't really, cause I have a review for this up there and something else that I didn't really get into is I think this is supposed to be more so of like a installation piece. Oh, okay. Because it has, it's, you know, it's centered on like uh, four different people and it kind of cuts between each of their stories. And uh, everything has this like translate like quality to it. Even the like the line delivery and everything is very, I don't want to say stilted because it doesn't have the feel of like sabbatical or something like that. It's just, it, it almost feels like everyone's been hypnotized with their performances. Oh, okay. Uh, and it, it looks and, it looks like uh Frank Mosley told us that they're tentatively aiming for a Fandor release this winter or spring. Which I again that's another thing that has me excited because I know a couple months back there was I think there's a, a partnership with Fandor and Factory twenty five. Because mm-hmm. I think that that's how uh Stinkin' Heaven's gonna be coming out is on Fandor. So I really love this idea of Fandor picking these up and doing you know, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like they're doing their own distribution of, of sorts. I'm, I'm surprised that more indie filmmakers haven't uh, opted for the the Vimeo on demand thing because yeah, either uh, that or like L for Leisure with the the VHX, VHX, yeah, where you can you know have like your own little website on there. Yeah, you essentially self distribute and you you cut out a lot of the the middleman type stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's t- maybe it's harder just to get uh noticed when you're on platforms like that. Maybe yeah. maybe it's it, cuz when you're on Vimeo on demand, you you you're kind of limiting your reach, you know. Yeah. True. To a, to a certain extent, you know, you're not on iTunes, you're not on Amazon. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh I saw The Gift directed okay. by Joel Edgerton. I heard good things about this one, like a surprise. It's surprisingly like, good. It is surprisingly good because okay. it doesn't from the tr- from the trailer. You think it's going to go one way, and it's it's different. It's different than what the trailer makes it out to be to a certain extent. Some of the stuff, some of the stuff, you can kind of infer what's happening, but uh, there's a there's a lot of little twisties, little twisties and turnies in there that you don't really. You don't really see coming, and uh, it's well made. It's it's in- incredibly tense. The whole movie has this kind of s- tense vibe to it, where at any moment you're just like, "Oh my god, what, what what what's happening here?" And for this is a slow burn too, in in that not a lot happens in this movie. I mean, it's it's a slow burn thriller, yeah. but it just keeps you on edge the whole time just how he and it made me jump twice like intense jump scares that were not really anything but because i was already on edge they it really it really made me jump so i had a i had a really good time with this jason bateman in a dramatic role i I like to see him in in dramatic roles from time to time so he did a good job rebecca hall did a good job too, and as as did Joel Edgerton, who pretty much did everything on this movie, and he he was great in it. So yeah, I it, I definitely recommend the gift. 
have to check that one out. Somewhere. Oh yeah, I think I think you're gonna like it. You'll like it. All right, uh, another indie, American indie, Mud Jackin'. I saw this one too. I was just waiting for you to Mud Jackin'. This was my latest unsung indies, which from Letterboxd before me and you, I think like there was three people on there that saw it. That was yeah. it. Well, it's, as of now, there's five, five people. <laughs> so we added to it five. <laughs> and uh, this was, it, again, the, you can read my review I have up. Um, plus, within the review, I have a stream of the film itself because I was able to watch this for free on Vimeo, which, which is a huge bonus. Um, but holy shit, does this thing have a boatload of ideas just going on? There's so many things going on in this movie. And it goes in so many different places. And it was just, again, it was energizing. It was a little, a little too much for me. Um, a little too much? The, the, the problem I had, especially towards the beginning, like in the fir- within the first act, was the fact that, and, and it kind of cools off towards the end, but for a large portion of this movie, it's just constant people talking over one another. And yeah. they layer dialogue, so it's like, She's saying something, but then they have her like inner thoughts happening at the same yeah. time, and then they have and they just layer audio. And yeah. I, I totally get that that's that's a, a stylistic choice, but I I found it to be kind of grating, and I was I was getting annoyed with that. But like I said, they they kind of cool it with it towards the end. Yeah, it does kind of. And also, where this movie goes. I did not. I did not see that coming either. I didn't either, and it just throws you in. Like I was so confused at the very beginning because I thought that I screwed up and started like in the middle or something. Because it just, it's. I mean, the introduction to these people is just boom raid. Yeah, and you're just like, okay, you have no idea like who the central characters are. You have no idea what this movie's about. And then you know, a little bit after that, then they kind of run through a pretty exhaustive history mm-hmm. of this brother and sister and which i like you know, <laughs> it's just so and then i you know halfway through it turns into well maybe not even halfway through but then it turns into this like murder mystery and it's yeah. just like what are we doing yeah what there's is, a lot what there's is a lot this go, there's a lot going on in this movie and then and then it gets even crazier and see it started losing me the movie started losing me and then he got he got uh, when he got swept up with the whole neo-Nazi group. I, that's when I it yeah, reeled me I, back I, in I, because I, it, it got so funny at that at that point. His reaction to just when he first walks in and he's like, "What's uh, what's going on with the swastikas?" and she's like, "Oh, it's just something we're trying." Just I was I fully bought in. I got my ticket punched when he's when he's going through like his idea of what happened, like of the of this murder mystery that he completely fabricates from his mind. And as he's as he's running through it, they do like that fake trailer mm-hmm. for the for the movie of what his idea is. And I just could not stop laughing for like, why is he in a little rowboat with a cop that capsizes yeah i don't understand that and then you know there's a head explosion that just goes on for so long with just you can just see the blood flying out of the face mm-hmm. it's just you could tell that they were so happy with the way that that came out that they just allotted it extra screen time yeah i just I had, I had a lot of fun yeah it probably could use some more focus but 
I don't know, for a debut to see everything that's in here and then everything that they do have, the fact that the director, Christopher Good, you know, writer, director, he did all the cinematography for it. And there's a shit ton of camera movements going on in here. Oh, and God. And yeah. the fact that he does all the editing, which to me, the editing was just unbelievable to have all these things going on and to be able to cut it and for it to not be just a completely incoherent mess was just extremely impressive. It was it was teetering on the line for me of incoherent mess, but it yeah, it didn't didn't fully go over it. It had almost an it had kind of an Edgar Wright vibe to it to me, the way that just how kinetic everything was and a lot of the camera movements yeah. and stuff felt felt like there was some Edgar Wright influence in there. Oh, I but, could see that. But uh, yeah, I had, I had fun with it. I thought it made me laugh quite a bit. And just going back, it again, I can't stress enough how much shit is in this movie. I mean, it is just there's so many little plot threads that are that are happening concurrently. And that the way that it ends, which just kind of throws everything into disarray yeah. and like you know when he's talking to the fbi guy and he just hands him that note that says that he's stuck in a movie yeah. <laughs> and the guy just walks away and then when he decides he wants to try and get out of this and i love the fact that they introduce the neo-nazis and they go they do it in like a terrence malick way of, you know the the skinhead walking through the tall grass i love arms it. Out i loved and, it and the voiceover and talking so about funny and then he's trying to get out of the, doing this movie because he's he's a bumbling guy, and they've decided, oh, well, we'll make it a horror comedy because this guy's perfect. And he decides that he's just going to be absolutely terrible, and then they'll they'll fire him from the production. They have to. So he does like the, the worst. He's just absolutely terrible, and it's it's hilarious. And they just think it's the best thing they've ever seen. I thought it was the best thing I've ever seen. I, I loved it. <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah, I just this can't one, wait to see more. Yeah, this one, this one's definitely worth checking out. And and like Kevin said, it's available for free on Vimeo, so you can watch just, the whole thing. You know and what it's you know it's only and that's another thing. It's only like an hour and twenty five minutes long. Like they jam pack yeah. so much into so little. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, check it out. That's mud jacking. Jacking mud. Yeah, definitely recommend that one. Uh, the only other one that I'll mention this week is one called Venus Flytrap. This is from 1987. This is a, uh, it's been a long time, really long time, but this is a shot on video movie. Okay. So it's got that amazing VHS quality to it because nice. it's shot on video. And man, I, I, I can't even remember the last time I saw a movie that was shot on video, but it probably since shooting on video was like actually a thing. But the whole time I was watching this, I was like, man, it, this feels like a parody. It feels like a modern movie that's meant to look like an old VHS movie. Yeah. But but it's not. It's real. It felt like something that you would see on, like, Tim and Eric do or, I don't know, like Harmony Corinne or something. But <laughs> I, I can't even describe this movie. So it's about a group of of punk rock guys uh, well it's two guys and a girl and they they rob a record store and while they're robbing a record store they end up meeting these two uh, rich rich yuppies and they find out that these two rich yuppies are having a party in their in their nice house their mansion and they go crash the party and 
So it's kind of your classic punks versus yuppies story, and things things don't don't work out the way uh, the way that these these punks expected. There was there's um, there's something waiting for them at this party, and I had a blast with this movie. It's uh, I will I will say like a lot of '80s movies, it's very homophobic. Like they say, there's a, there's a lot of slurs being used, but you know that was kind of commonplace back then. So if, if you're okay with hearing some of that and and just kind of chalking that up to the the time period, uh, it's it's ridiculous. Oh my god, it is so ridiculous. <laughs> what is this called? It's called Venus Flytrap. Okay. And I, I actually, I recommend it just because it is, it's insane. It's not overly violent or overly uh, sexual or anything like that. I mean, there is violence and nudity, but, uh, well, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to kind of give it away because it's, it's, it's it's worth, well, all right, I won't. This I saw on the exploitation.tv streaming service that vinegar syndrome put out so i don't know if there's any other way to to see this one but if you can check it out venus flytrap is the name oh my i got two real quick to run through they're both horror movies i was able to squeeze some in one and this will surprise you found footage horror movie they're taking a deborah logan from 2014 yeah i saw this one did you see this mm-hmm. i did not know that this was found footage it was just one of those random picks on Netflix, and then as soon as it started, I was like, oh, shit. Did you pick it because of the cover? Uh, I picked mostly because of the cover, and it was the only modern horror film that I looked at on Netflix that didn't have a one-star rating. <laughs> and I thought, and it was at like two and a half, and I was like, I think that's as high as I'm going to get. So I just had to set, because it was, you know, it was after like 20 minutes of searching through Netflix. Yeah. And I wanted something modern. And, uh, Gotta say, I mean, it's not that great, but I have to say that it was it was pretty surprising. Uh, I didn't find it 100% terribly stupid like I usually do with found footage movies. There were some things that I could have done without. One of the interesting things that I did like is how some of the people actually made good decisions. Like when shit started hitting the fan mm-hmm. and, the, the you know, her staff kind of upped their price. And then even when it got worse, the other guy was like, I don't care how much money I'm leaving. And he just leaves and you never see him again. Yeah, I thought, yeah, that guy's smart. Good work, but uh, it was an odd, an odd thing of how they try and connected the Alzheimer's to yeah. the with the and that it didn't really quite work. But uh, I had to say that it it was unsettling. There was some disturbing imagery mm-hmm. and uh, kept me on edge for a little bit. So I'd say it's a light recommend. Yeah. I uh, I don't really I didn't like this one, but I've seen so much found footage horror. I think. In my letterbox review, I said, you know, if this came out three or four years ago, I probably would have liked it a lot more. But yeah. having seen so much found footage, I just... Uh, well, and again, I think that's what helps me here is I haven't seen that many. Yeah. And mostly and did, the ones did, that I've seen are so bad. Yeah. It was like, oh my god, this is a breath, breath of fresh air. I did like the Alzheimer's hook in that, too. I thought that that was an interesting way to present. Because, I mean... In reality, that is a very horrifying disease, and yeah. I thought that that was an interesting way to put that in there because it also made you think 
it, it, it casts disbelief in there, you know, because, oh, just chalk that up to Alzheimer's. She has Alzheimer's. You know, yeah. she's not possessed, but. But then it quickly becomes apparent that it's more than Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah. And then that kind of goes out the window. I think Indeed. they could have they could have they used that a little bit longer. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, the other one that I saw was Children of the Corn from 1984. Oh, I, I, I just, yeah, I just saw this for the first time not too long ago when I did my little Children of the Corn marathon. Yeah, I did this Friday night. And uh, this is something, right? I didn't like it. Children of the Corn. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I liked any of them in that whole series. I just, yeah, just it was, didn't, they didn't, they didn't really work for me. Well, number one, the, some of the child acting in this is just downright god awful. Especially yeah. the kid that does the voiceover narration. That was just, it, that was terrible. And, uh, I mean, the first, the initial sequence with them in the diner, you know, when the kids kind of take over their first attack, that mm-hmm. was something. I was not expecting that. Yeah. And, uh, but man, it just really goes nowhere for a really long time. Cause at a certain point in this movie, I, we paused it to smoke a cigarette and there was 20 minutes left. And I thought to myself, well, that can't be right. Nothing's happened yet. Like we're going to, what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes? We're going to be able you know, to tie up all these loose ends, which they try to. Um, but it, there's just some stuff in here that's just way too hilarious. Like when the camera would kind of the quick zoom in on the corn itself. And it tried to be like, oh, the menacing corn. And Man. you're like, it's fucking corn. What? This is such a ridiculous story. And then when the corn at the end is kind of like it pulls Peter Horton down because apparently he can't overcome corn. And it starts to like cover his legs and whatnot. And he doesn't fight back for any reason. He's just like, oh, corn. And the little kid has to come out and save him. It's just, oh, man. It was something. Yeah. It was such a ridiculous movie. Well, you have seven sequels that you can check out I to, to, complete, any to complete the story. So the story ends here. Children of the corn. They killed the corn. <laughs> Everyone's happy. And then they just, they, you know, they left behind a shit ton of kids. They just, that, that, that couple took two of the kids and then just abandoned the rest of them. Well, you, and that in the in the sequel you find out what, where those kids went. Okay. They they all they all get rescued. They they all end up in a like an orphanage. I do I, I don't there's a part of me that wants to continue cuz I want to see how they make sense of this ridiculous story cuz it makes no sense whatsoever. Well, I'm going to give As you a spoiler right, right now. It, they, they don't really do a good job of okay. explaining That's, it. That's what I figure. Because they're like, because I'm like, okay, who's who's the man that walks behind the rose? What's happening? You know. And then all of a sudden, it's like a it's a, a giant mole, and you're like, what? What the fuck yeah. is going on? It's it's ridiculous. And all, all of the sequels, it just gets more ridiculous and more convoluted as as each movie occurs. I think almost all, if not all, of these are on Netflix, though that you can that you can stream. I think you are correct. I think when I did the marathon, all of them but two, part two, which was on Netflix. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, there's there's some movies, some some of these movies like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, where I would say, yeah, it's it's worth just plowing through the whole series. But Children of the Corn, no, absolutely not. No, I got off the Children of the Corn train Friday, and I'm never getting back on. Nope, can't blame you on that. All right. 
Let's go over our predictions from last week and pull this up here. The last Witch Hunter. You said 38, I said 34, actual 15. Ouch. Hmm. Gem and the Holograms, you said 20. I said 27, actual 20. Wow. Yeah, hit the nail on the head there. I think that there was, a, there was a, I can't remember, I, I apologize, but I, it was on my Twitter feed. Somebody said that had some, some of the employees who work at the, thea, at the actual theaters made more than the Gem and the Holograms opening night. Because <laughs> uh, it didn't do well. It did not, it, it pretty much bombed. So very gl- I'm actually glad to see that because that's not cool. That was a stupid idea. So yeah, stupid. stupid idea. Paranormal Activity Ghost Dimension. You said six. I said 12, actual 13. Wow, that's way yeah. too high. Yeah. That's way too high. I'm sorry. Uh, we didn't predict this, but I, I saw it on the list, and I thought I should mention that Rock the Casbah, the one with Bill Murray, got an eight. Wow. Yeah. All right, next week, Burnt. This is the one with Bradley Cooper. Now, Burnt. this one, I, I I'm... Not so sure about this one. Here, here's a here's a little story about about this. We got invited to a press conference for Burnt, and I, I don't typically go to press conferences just because yeah. I, I there's just really nothing for me there. You know, just ask. You know, I don't I don't see the point in asking these kind of softball generic questions that every other publication asks to the same yeah. actors. So I was like, no. Uh, I'm not. I'm not really interested in going to the press conference, but uh, we'll go to the the press screening. And the the publicist emailed me back, and they were like, "Well, the the press screening is really only. It's not for reviews. It's f- it's for editorial coverage only." And I was like, "What? Like I can't review it based on that press screening." So that kind of had me wondering because that's that is it's rare that that happens where they they basically embargo you from reviewing the movie based on a press screening. So that kind of led me to believe, all right, maybe there's something going on with this movie. And then they ended up doing something really weird with the um, the distribution where like the the Weinstein company uh made it they changed the distribution of it and made it like they pulled it up a week so it's releasing a week early or something and then there it's like a a nationwide release so either way it seems like there's something kind of weird about this movie and i don't think it's i think i think that it's not probably not going to be great so Hmm. I'll, i'll predict uh 46 i'm gonna guess 32 it also had I think at least two title changes. It was originally called Chef, but then they realized <laughs> that they can't do that. And then it was changed to whatever the name of um Bradley Cooper's character is, and it was like his name, the character name. Yeah. And then it was Burnt. Mm-hmm. All right. Also coming out next week, our brand is Crisis, the yeah. new David Gordon Green. Mhm. We thinking on this one. Uh 52. All right. I have uh, very little desire to see this one. No, no desire, actually. So I'm 100% with you. <laughs> just, it just doesn't look appealing no to me. It just kind of looks boring. I don't know. It's not my thing. I like David Gordon Green, but it, it seems like... You know, it's funny. I, I always remember that interview 
that we first saw on the George Washington Criterion DVD where I think it was a Charlie Rose interview and he was he asked him, you know, what's next? What do you want to do? And David Gordon Green was like, well, I kind of want to do everything. I want to do comedies, I want to do like big dramas, I want to do science fiction, and that's kind of what he's doing. I mean, he's all over the place, this guy. Yeah. I kind of, I, I like that. I like that, but at the same time, it's not like he's the type of director where I, I could just blindly go see whatever he makes. You know, yeah. he's not like a Tarantino or Wes Anderson where I, I, I know the style and I know that I'm going to like it regardless. Yeah. And that's, those are really the only two, uh, Big releases in limited release next week. We have Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, The Wonders, which I think you're going to review that. Mm-hmm. The Armor of Light, that's a documentary about the pastor who is comes out against uh, guns, who who comes out for gun control and like the the problems that that causes him. Yeah, and uh, Gaspar knows love. Oh. I'll be checking that one out. I'm gonna, I'm going to try to check that one out in 3D. Just just to do it just to say i did it next week on vod we have rise of the giants bloody knuckles bear and scout's guide to the zombie apocalypse i'll be checking out the uh the scout's guide one obviously not uh not hold my breath on it i like uh ty sheridan so that'd be cool uh blu-ray next week let me i don't have my calendar pulled up here so let me do that um Next week on Blu-ray we have oh uh Army of Darkness is getting a new Blu-ray version. I feel like out of all of the movies ever made, Army of Darkness has more versions that come out. And anytime there's a new format, Army of Darkness is always one of the first movies yes. that comes out on that it format. Does, it does seem that way. I don't know. It's it's weird. I guess that is one of those movies that consistently sells on on home release it must yeah. that just must be it but they're coming out with the collector's edition on blu-ray um let's see what else the gift southpaw pixels and oh breeders is getting a release from 1986 sometimes they come back the uh stephen king film from 1991 max that one about the dog with ptsd okay Mm-mm-mm-mm. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. What do we got on the Criterion front? Oh, we got a big one. Yeah, we got a big one, buddy. We got Mulholland Drive, David Lynch, and I don't think I really need to say any more about that, except for obviously you, what you're getting with this one is new interviews with Lynch, uh, the d- director of photography, Peter Deming, actors, uh, composer, production designer, casting director, a whole bunch of stuff. Booklet with interview with David Lynch from 2005, deleted scenes, one set footage, all the good stuff. Nice. Yeah, I I like this idea of David Lynch being on Criterion. Uh, so do I. And you know the Coen Brothers are going to be on Criterion now too. Yeah. So that's that's going to be awesome as well. Um. All right, I think that'll do it. Also, Meteor Man, the Meteor Man's coming out from 1993. Remember that one with Robert Townsend? Oh shit! Are you serious? Classic, classic Meteor Man. No, <laughs> yeah, Criterion. Yeah, sure. Criterion getting that, getting that four K digital transfer. <laughs> oh shit! Oh god! Interviews with Robert Townsend. Oh boy! 
All right, I think that that is going to do it for the week. Send us your questions and topics to podcastfilmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And please take a minute to take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. I'm Kevin Rakestraw. My name's Adam Patterson, and we will see you next week. Thank you.